Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? You just missed a sweet pack war. If you are just listening to this or watching this, you can go and check that out on YouTube. But we're here for the Masters of Modern podcast. Yeah, welcome to the live, live stream and also the yeah. recorded stream. For those of you who are watching this on Thursday with like the audio synced instead of the possibly peaking audio that is going through the camera that we're using. Um, There's like so many different levels of this now. There's like the live stream Tuesday, the video Thursday, the video without the pack war on Thursday. There's the pack war video that goes up. On Wednesday. There's so many things. Yeah, we're going to see more content coming to you guys. Uh, we're going to start doing a Monday weekend update. Uh, Ben's going to start recording that and releasing yes. on the YouTube channel as well. And we're also going to eventually get to uh, streaming and or and releasing video content of Ben playing Wacky Brews on Moto once he there's, figures out how to play Moto. <laughs> there's a lot of really cool stuff going on uh, that's going to that's be fun. So so let's all... So make sure uh, to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's I think that's the first shout out we'll do today. Uh, I think the that's other, the easiest one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Guys, we, with the YouTube channel launched about six weeks ago and uh, we've been... It's been really nice. We've, we've had some comments on there being like, I never used to listen, but now I'm doing it because you guys are on YouTube. So that's really exciting for us, and we're right. going to keep doing that. Um, and then also check out the Command Zone, our sister podcast. They're also on YouTube. We're also both at Collected.Company, uh, and they do game nights and awesome stuff and uh, are very, 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 very awesome. Yeah, so they're great. Josh, so- uh, Josh Lequai is uh, hosting PAX. Uh, West. He's hosting he's, it? He's one of the main hosts of uh, Wizards it's PAX West really? like, event stuff. Yeah. Really wow. Cool. Yep. Well, announced that, it, I think that, today. That Command Zone show just... People f- tweeted about it, so I feel like I can talk about it. Got I knew huge. about it because he is sadly yeah. missing my wedding one tier. That's a, that he's missing your wedding now because of it? Yeah, because PAX is on the same day as my wedding. Oh, that's same brutal. Same time. Well, congratulations, Josh. No, that's awesome. I, I, I'm happy for him. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, awesome. I just we will miss you. And Jimmy just got announced in Jumanji, so way to go, Jimmy. <laughs> I think it was Mulan. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mulan. My bad. Yeah. Different different fun property that I remember watching as a kid. Uh, <laughs> slightly slightly different. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, today on the episode, guys, we're going to be talking about a few things. There was a banner restricted announcement. We're going to react to that. We are going to talk about some of the Twitter drama going on. And this is a special Chaos Draft episode. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot to break down here. Grand Prix Los Angeles happened. We were there. We had a crazy meetup. Tons and tons of chaos drafting. There's a whole entire sort of like new thing that we're going to talk about doing here with chaos drafting uh, and how it pertains to modern and value. So a lot to talk about today on the episode. Um, but should we do any shout outs? Probably not. We just did one. Let's get no, into the show. Give it a shout. We're going to we'll sprinkle them in. So why don't we start Probably out with the big, sprinkles. Let's start with the big modern news. Uh, Band and Restrictor announcement happened on Nothing Monday. Nothing happened. Yeah, which is like, I had a whole conversation with Ari Lax at GPLA about this, yeah. and he was pretty sure nothing was going to happen. I, yeah, I called it, I yes. called it uh, last week. Yes, but he's a pro that wins events, and now there yeah, must Yeah, but be. I call things, and they <laughs> come true, because I am a prophet. You're a prophet? Of Crufix. Can, uh, can we get that as a sound drop? Alex? <laughs> Alex is a prophet. Uh, so, Courser of Crufix? Is that what you mean? No, prophet of Crufix. Oh, is that the green-blue thing? Mm-hmm. The untapped stuff? The one that's banned in Commander. Because it's like instant speed. Yeah, just, it was just like too good to make blue green too good to make commander. Hmm, okay. We're not commander talk. But no, if you want to know about that, go to the command zone. They'll yes. tell you exactly why Prophet of Krufix is banned. So That's I why think... I'm banned from commander, Ben. I can't play it anymore. That's why I'm on the Masters of Modern podcast. So I think this is pretty interesting. You know, no, no bannings. Um... No unbannings. I think your your theory is usually that they happen at a very specific time for a specific well, reason, right? I, I, there's a few things. One is that you know KCI isn't currently in a position that is as problematic as either Eggs nor uh, Eldrazi Winter was, and like those are the reasons for emergency bannings, which are ones that happen outside of the cycle. And 
Uh, if you look at what Eldrazi Winter was like, it was obviously KCI isn't that problematic. Uh, and then if you look at um, the issue with eggs, there are similarities. Like they're both kind of you know uh, toxic to watch on live stream. They both are really interact uninteractive artifact decks. But one of the key differences to me, and one of the reasons I think Wizards isn't like. Like, I think it'll eventually be bent, um, and if you are, like, worried about the deck you're playing, check out Zach Elsick's really sweet, sweet deck you played this weekend, because yeah, I think that'll sweet. replace it. Um, but uh, the the deck itself um, wins in a different way than Eggs, in the sense that Eggs goes off for 20 minutes on a turn, but then doesn't win. Versus KCI, which once it starts comboing off, if you can't stop it, it pretty much is going to win. So there are more points for opponents to scoop without feeling like that is it, it's an incorrect move. So it allows for the time of the match to kind of move forward in a right. little bit of a more successful way. Um, and, it, and in a way that's less detrimental to kind of the way the tournament is being run. It's bad for coverage. Uh, and, you know, KCI doing really well at a top eight is going to be kind of problematic always. But And I, I do think it's a deck that Wizards doesn't want to be good in the format in the long run. And I think something like Ancient Surings or a more key piece of KCI is going to go away. People are saying Mox Opal, but A, it's a $109 card, and Wizards hasn't yet banned a card that that is that, is, that, is that expensive. They normally kill a different card from a deck to yeah. make it uh, less of a problem. And it also is just like more of a key piece than other artifact strategies that I think are fine existing versus something like Ancient Stirrings, which is giving a few different decks that are all relatively behated uh, a little too much power level. It also is silly that that's unbanned and preordained is unbanned. But I think that's also not going to happen in the you know so that's 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 the first thing is that it's not as bad as eggs. The second thing is, right now we're in a situation we're in the middle of PPTQ season. Yeah, like banning a, a card in the middle of PPTQ season when it's not necessary. There's no Pro Tour coming up. There's not really a GP. The PPTQs are not getting detrimentally affected by KCI. As we mentioned, it's not a big problem for tournament play. It's bad for coverage. It's bad for like the people playing. It's unfun to play against. But like ripping a deck out from under people who have been grinding that season all season is a way to get them to quit magic. And it's pretty detrimental for it. It's why they like doing banning and unbannings like almost six months ahead of time. That's right. why the modern pro tour is in, I mean, among other reasons, but one of the reasons it's in February and the PBTQ season is so separated from it is it gives people the six months or three months they need to be able to build the cool decks that they saw at the pro tour that is modern focused for that modern season that they'll actually be grinding at stores. And you don't want to adjust the format in that drastic of a way out from under people because that's like a, a serious cost to them and what their plans were for right. that year. Um, and then the last one is bannings happen alongside the Pro Tour. I mean, Wizards has made the decision, or at least this last year, they made the decision to have them happen after the Pro Tour instead of before to let the Pro Tour kind of break the format and then unban things to make it so whatever the Pro Tour did harm to Modern was fixed by an unbanning, mixing it up versus mixing it up before the Pro Tour. Um, so we'll see how that functions this time around. Um, this last Pro Tour was different because we had a, a break, so there was a time where pros weren't fixing to break modern, so it was a little bit more exciting to see what they could do and stuff like KCI and humans got cemented out of that. But this next Pro Tour, and this last Pro Tour, the one that just happened for the Magic 25 anniversary, a, a format was it, Vengevine Dex showed up, so that was cool. And we'll see what happens for this Pro Tour, and if they think enough of standard has affected it. We're going back to Ravnica, a set and block that historically has affected modern every single time we've gone back. Right, right. Um, and so it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens there. So, yeah, I think most of your points, though, that was the longest run-on sentence of, in all, of all time, so I'm trying to remember what the first thing you said was, actually. Uh, the three <laughs> points I've ever written down because I listed it are uh, middle of PPTQ season. Yes. Uh, it, it's not as bad as eggs. Uh -huh. And... Uh, Things get it's not as problematic as 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 uh, for emergency reason needing a ban and it's not near the pro tour. Okay, so 
I think you have a strong point as far as the time that bannings happen. The one thing that I am a little concerned about, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been focusing on this. We talked about this about two weeks ago on the show. It was a point you brought up, which is an article you had read talking about sort of that each of the major archetypes in modern are represented by one respective deck. Mm-hmm. And that modern is actually not as diverse as people think. Again, in that same conversation with Ari and a couple other pros at the GP, I started to really think about this. And when I got home, I looked at the results just of a just of a basic modern challenge, right? sure. just an online. And I'll tell you, the top sixteen is brutal. It's it's just a sw- it's a smattering of like six decks. It's basically like blue eye control humans, hollow one, KCI, mono green Tron. I'm probably forgetting like one good deck. And that's basically it. Like, there was a dredge deck in there. But, like, those fun fringe decks that feel like they kind of define modern, the things that you can do that are cool, they don't really feel like they're breaking through anymore. It really feels like modern has become... I don't think that's fair. I think, like, you're looking at the sample size of the last month when modern kind of rotates more on a two- to three-month basis. I think that KCI and Hollow One and Humans have... Yes, the three of them together have kind of forced it into a little bit of a status of like flatness. But right. literally a year ago, we were having the same conversation about death. Uh, yeah, Grixis uh, Death Shadow. It was actually John Shadow, yeah, and Jun then Shadow. became Grixis Shadow. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so totally. And so I, I think that the decision to ban something will happen in a few months if, if we see this continue. If it's the yeah. same in three months, or, oh, or I guess the next one is October 10th, I think. Do not invest, invest in KCI. Uh, literally at the GP, we did a meetup, and we'll talk about what that was like. And at the very end of it, um, someone we were playing with, uh, I think her name was Rachel. Uh, we met her at the GP, and, and, yeah. and she was laying out um, the like beginnings of her building KCI for Modern. And like I literally at the point, and she didn't, she hadn't bought any of the expensive cards. She didn't have Mox Opals or anything. It was like, just so you know, be careful with the deck you're investing in because yeah. there will be cards banned out of it by the end of the next 365 days. There are really strong investments. I would investments. say by the end of May, there will be cards banned out of KCI. There are really strong investments for fringe decks that are up and coming right now. Like sure. I think a deck that's a really strong investment is one of the Spirits decks. I think that's a very fair deck that's very competitive, yeah. that feels like it's only getting better. Yeah. Uh, it, it operates kind of just like a strictly better Merfolk in a lot of ways. I think a lot of the cards are cheap, and I think you're going to see that a lot of those cards that are cheap now, like a Rattle Chains and Selfless Spirit, mm-hmm. in a couple years, all those cards I think are going to have doubled in value. If that deck stays, and it's just... It's so it's such a cohesive mixture of power that deck right. that I really do think that you're going to see all the spell quellers and all those cards in a few years. You'll, they'll have appreciated in value. I don't think you're going to lose money on that investment. Yeah, I, I think there's a few decks. The other deck that I, I thought I wanted to point out that was cool, and I brought it up previously, but Zach Elsick did just pilot like yeah. this crazy artifact deck, and his statement was basically: this deck is legit. It does things very powerfully, but in a field where every single opponent is ready to fight KCI with like four sideboard uh, Stony Silences, yeah, it's uh, has a much harder time kind of getting through. But that's a deck to invest in because KCI is going to get banned and then the world's going to... Play the Elsic deck? Well, no, no, no. I, I think they're going to just not forget about artifact decks and then Tron, uh, that and Affinity are going to come back and start pounding face again. Do you remember uh, my statement that I left GP Santa Clara with Ryan, Ryan Sconard and Steve St. Clair last year? The, the, fr- the phrase I kept saying? This deck, needs, of this deck needs more Claws of Gix. Well, guess what card Zach Elsick was playing in his main deck? As a one of. Yeah, Claws, claws of Gix. Yeah. I will say this, though, and I've said this before. Uh, when, you, when you look at modern, you look at like, what's interesting and how you can break the format or do weird things that people don't expect. You have to, fi- you have to find things that are unique, right? That only, only one or two things in the format allow you to do. And so 
Greater Gargadon, I've said this before, is like a super unique card that like doesn't really have a lot of other things that can do what it does. Mm -hmm. It basically is a permanent sacrifice outlet for free. Closet right. is and not as good, but for one colorless at instant speed, you can sacrifice anything on your board. Right. And as Michael Grothy, producer of the podcast today, uh, and frequent guests just pointed out, it does have four word of invention, so you can't find a close. the one closet gigs. For three at instant speed. Yeah. Or even for less than three if you have blue permanents. Right? Because don't you need to tap blue things to reduce the cost I of I don't think you can reduce the cost of things. It's you have artifacts. Oh, it's not a convoke. You have to It's like it's like half it's like a two thirds of a convoke's. Got ability. it, got it, got it, got it. Um yeah, <laughs> not how improvised works. Strong, strong point, Michael. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> From across the room, love it. Um, so, anyway, guys, that's uh, that's that was the band restricted announcement. Not a huge surprise to most people, I think. Um, I definitely, I, mean, yeah, was I think, I think investing in decks out of modern right now that run ancient stirrings is a mistake. I don't know which card out of those decks, like, and I do think it's it's a different piece of KCI. I don't think they're going to ban actual KCI. I don't think they're going to ban unless they like really think this deck needs to go, but I don't think they like doing that. Like every other time they banned, they didn't ban like Amulet is still available. They banned Summer Bloom. And so the other thing is that like it's that Mox Opal or, or Ancient Stirrings, and one of those is a, I want to invest in decks that are, are are prioritizing any of those cards. And of the premier decks, um, thinking about what would kill them versus like the cards that you own, would they be useful in other decks? I think there are cards that I can see in these major decks that I don't expect to be problematic so like for instance if you wanted to buy aether vial i don't see vial ever getting banned that's that's a pretty fair oh, yeah. pretty fair card it's really good in a lot of different decks you can build a lot of cool creature decks with Six it Six months later aether vial banned <laughs> um <Keep> I, good <laughs> you know i think like vial plays nicely into the idea if you're afraid of buying cavern of souls for instance i don't expect cavern to be banned it's it would strike me as surprising and yeah, i would see unclaimed territory not unclaimed territory right? no ziggurat's the one you're thinking of no no, no you um, think territory would think, be the one i think between cavern of souls and unclaimed territory like if I'm Wizards, one has been fine for years and is like the piece that holds a lot of like it's yeah. good is like a good tool for for decks, even though it's expensive. The other one is like an uncommon that they just printed. Yeah, and so I think uh, w the reason that I like the idea of buying Cavern is because I do think that action. And I've said this before, but if humans was to die for some reason, like I don't know if they banned like multiple cards, like if they banned like Reflector Mage and Meddling Mage, or I don't know what they would do, but or Prebooter or something, some way to make humans like not potent. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you would actually probably be able to find another five color tribal deck within a year. Like something else would just become powerful. I think mm -hmm. that shell would function with like slivers or well, something. I forget who was mentioning this, uh, but it was on Twitter. And like one of the problems with humans is it's just the best tribe period. It's going to be on every set ever printed. So every set that we go back to, we are going to get more humans cards and some of them are actually going to be powerful. And as we kind of go through formats, like that's like, even if they ban cards from it, we're just going to keep getting more good humans. If they ban any piece of the humans right now, within the next two years, they'll ban another, they'll print another humans card. That's good enough. And then kind of bring it back. I know, but I guess my point is when I, I mean, that's true. That's like, like, that, that is true. So like slivers, maybe we revisit a set with slivers. And they so my there. point though is this, it seems like each time they go and they, and they go back to a tribe that's in more than one color, mm -hmm. that tribe immediately becomes like a modern playable tribe. So like spirits was fringe. Then they went back and they gave us a couple good spirits for one block, and all of a sudden, spirits is totally legit. Right, and I would like if I were to rank most commonly returned to uh, tribes. Tribes, I would like it's like humans, 
and like zombies and spirits like right after that. Yeah, right. Because like both of them are things that whenever we go to a set, they kind of show up and spirits show up in every color. Yeah. Um, where zombies only show up really in black and then if depending on how a set's doing sometimes now it's in white and it definitely was in... But like elementals are another one that they they consistently print elementals in all colors. Correct. They, yeah. they, and so, so anyway. The problem with elementals is that just like the I think the like average converted mana cost of an elemental like is five four or, something. or five yeah, yeah, versus yeah. like the average converted mana cost of a spirit or, or a human is two. Um, so but I think we're on the same page about this though i think those are those are reasonable buys so that's the big announcement uh there was no announcement so let's talk a little bit about what's going on on twitter right now before we get into it i do want to remind everybody here that we have a facebook group the masters of modern facebook you're group. not going to segue into the twitter section with our twitter accounts everybody knows where to find us on twitter at the mmcast yeah you can find us on it at the mmcast but i'm at kiss wiley i'm at ben Bate media stuck that in there we've got a facebook group it's got almost five thousand people in it now uh everybody talks modern on there that's super, super fun i'll look right now Keep um and everybody likes to talk about modern, and, and there's tons of groups that, that are inspired by it and all, all sorts of things. So oh, no, we're at 4,397 members. Yeah. Someone listening to this podcast right now who hasn't been on there could be the 400, 404. Yeah, the 4400th. Yes, yeah, so there's a bunch of people. It's really fun. Um, what's going on on Twitter? Talk to me about some of the controversies. So as all weekend Twitter events happen, uh, one of the big ones is just – and I think it all kind of stems maybe from this uh, – is that the Hall of Fame voting period has started, and – uh, alongside that comes just every other pro player is talking um, badly about every other pro player because that's how it works. And they like someone's like, oh, this person should be in the Hall of Fame. And then six people bring up, oh, that guy plays slowly. That guy cheats. That guy, you know, was an asshole to me at one point. And so, like, that's just causing a lot of drama in beyond that. Like, for at one, for instance, Morrow, a bunch of people are yelling at Morrow because he um, – has always supported Mike Long to be added to the Hall of Fame because yeah. he thinks that in early days of Magic, Mike Long was someone that he kind of galvanized people against. Um, and through that process, people hate him, but he thinks that he was really important to the kind of the creation of the the Magic Pro Tour in general. Um, but then apparently because he became a villain, he then cheated a few times. And so like there's layers of that as an issue. And then now it's coming to like, who's a cheater? Does slow play matter? You know, there's like a, Seth Manfield. People have accused him of being a slow player or doing slow play, but that's kind of more circumstantial. Nothing's ever happened to him. And, he, and, and you just have kind of layers and layers of people having problems. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what's happening there. But that stemmed, you know, because Bertaccini is back. He top eighted the GP this last weekend. He literally, he was, he, the, he was the number one player going into the top eight. Right. And I was sitting there on Sunday. And, and he got a game loss for marked cards in the top eight. He did? Yeah. <laughs> Bernaccini did? Yeah. What a jerk. I can't believe that. Uh, producer, can you confirm? Is that true? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. He, he, he got a game loss for marked cards. I'm pretty sure it was in the top eight. Yeah. He was announced as the number one player. Uh, and I'm not kidding you. The no. entire hall booed. Wow. He got booed loudly by everybody there. It was like one of those things that's like, how is how is one of three things not happened? How how do you want to continue playing a game that this is how the community feels about you, or how have you not been handed a lifetime ban? It seems insane to me that you would like you would you would do the best you can possibly do in a tournament of that size and be booed by the whole hall and want to return to the game. I don't care how much money I can win. It's like it's not right. that much money. And I think I think if you look at the why he keeps doing it. I do think some people enjoy being the villain. Like being infamous is sometimes possibly as fun to people as being famous and him being that person in the community is something maybe he revels in. I also think like there is money on the line 
and he knows that he can get away with it and win some of that money. And so he's yeah. just trying to get paid for I've, something he's like good at. And arguably, he's both probably decent at magic and then also good at cheating at magic. And so those two things together give him the confidence that he's going to do well at enough of these tournaments that keep participating. Have you ever met Alex? I've not. Nor have I. So to clarify, this is all speculation. I've never had a conversation with a guy. I don't have any inside information, nor oh, have no, you. Yeah, I'm trying to get into the idea of like why someone yeah. would want to be part of this community if they boo him when he gets announced to be part of the top eight. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, like... I'll bet you, even if he has been somebody who's been accused and even caught cheating several times, he's probably pretty good at magic also. Like, he probably knows the game really, really, really well. Right. And then also cheats. Yeah. So... And... and I think I agree, like, uh, BDM posted today that there needed to be some type, like, kind of three strikes rule. He worded it differently than I'm wording it, but it's kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. Like, if you get DQ'd or banned... Uh, from Magic for cheating more than three times or three or more times, you should just not be allowed to play in Premier Play ever again. I totally agree. I think think that's an easy win. I think the fact that, you know, there are... Yeah, I think that's just the solution here. Well, because also, like, as somebody who... I've never, like, never made it to a Pro Tour. I've never top eight at a GP, right? right? I've had, like, a couple finishes where I've, like, played several hundred people and gotten to a top eight or, Mm -hmm. or, like, you know, whatever, done well. And it is such a grind, and you have to fight so hard to right. get that far that to lose to someone at a high level because they're cheating, right. it's beyond the feel bads. It's like, it's not even, it's so beyond sports. Well, it's like playing a whole entire half season of a sport and then losing a game to cheating. And what with, it feels with, like. With this Alex situation, it's also like, you know, we're getting to the point where most people that know who he is when they play against him, against him just like call a judge over and have that judge hover over the table and if you have a player who's like sapping resources in that way just because they are so infamous for being a cheater that people know that this is something that's going to happen that you have to call judges over to kind of watch your match and then that judge's time is being spent having to babysit this player yeah like why (laughs) what's the value to that it's so crazy i just can't um, i just can't imagine being him and wanting to continue playing this game but all that being said uh because you like people liking you I do like that. I do too. Yeah. Uh, I am. I like that more than most things. So yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, back to the Hall of Fame though, because uh, we didn't get kind of get into that. Uh, you know, the the there's two pieces of this drama. I guess before we get into one half, who would you want to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Who do you have a pick? Um, I have. I have like two. That this I, this probably is not, maybe this is three. Not a subject that I usually pay very close attention to. So sure. I don't know who's up this year. I know Ruben, our friend Ruben Bressler, was somebody who is in the conversation this year, right? No, 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 no. Ruben gets to vote. Oh, that's what it is. Ruben gets to yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got Which it. is the other half of this drama. Got it. Not specifically that Ruben gets to vote, but that content creators that, that aren't media pro players. members get to vote? Yeah, like community, community participants that have achieved status in that side have given invites to be able to vote for the Hall of Fame this who year. Who are the big players that are up this and year? And it happened last year as well. Uh, the, the big, I think the three big, my three picks or like three conversations that I've, I've seen a lot of is uh, uh, Seth Manfield is a big one. Mm-hmm. He just like has killed it and been the best player in Magic for like four years in a row. I mean, if not the best in the top five. Yeah, he's best, really good. Like, and he's a modern player too, which is sweet. Modern player is cool. Uh, you know, that's he's one of the people that like this. Like, does he have problematic cheatings or not? Uh, and then Pakula, Chris Pakula is Meddling the other Mage. big one. Uh, Meddling Mage. He he is one of the key. Battle, you know, he was one of the main pr- people that get uh, the community against cheating in yeah. the early days of the Magic Pro Tour. Uh, there's a lot of people that can point at 
you know, Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and compare them, and Yu-Gi-Oh! is rife with cheaters. I believe the top five players have all been banned at one point from Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, where, with Magic, because of the effort of people like Chris Pakula, and Chris Pakula was a big figurehead of this kind of movement, cheaters are lambasted, and, and kind of the, the reaction to Alex Percini is something that happens in the community, which I think is really good. I yeah. like that the community is against this kind of uh, 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 play style, and on top of that, he's a good player. He's another pro tour. He's play style, i.e. cheating. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and and you know the those are two of them. I, my personal pick is Gary T. Uh, Just Jerry T. Jerry T. <laughs> he's getting my Hall of Fame vote if I had one. Uh, I don't know. He's really like obviously also performs very well and another community member that's very like yeah super friendly and he brews and like makes Um, awesome brews my last i guess my last one and this is the other controversy is uh bdm love it but i also think just like you know me and michael had a long conversation about this earlier this week i believe that the magic hall of fame needs to have additional wings added uh, that include a coverage wing and also a community member wing that yeah. like don't necessarily come with Pro Tour invites. I think having the Pro Tour Hall of Fame be a wing on its own that comes with that Pro Tour invite part of it, but maybe it comes with appearance fees, maybe it comes with other pieces of it, but people like The Professor, people like Wedge, people like BDM, people like um, other kind of large participants, Cedric... Uh, uh, Cedric Phillips? Yeah, Cedric yep. Phillips, um, have all contributed to Magic in such a significant way that is probably arguably more than a lot of these pro players right, that have right, right. Like these, these that are in the Hall of Fame, but because they haven't done well at a pro tour, they don't get that status. And figuring out different ways for them to be supported through GP, you know, like yeah. one wedge or the professor show up to a GP, they are contributing to that GP on a level that is significant and they should be rewarded for that in ways and i think the hall of fame is a way to do that but it doesn't have to be come with a pro tour invite what do you think your uh, your chances all time if you percentage right now to ever play on a magic pro tour mine yeah uh less than five percent less than five percent i think yours is higher than mine still low <laughs> still very low sure uh, but mine is like less than five percent you have to work very hard specifically at that and i am not in a point that's in my life where ha- that's going to be happening and like yes well, I think you have a higher chance of spiking a GP than I do as well. Like, Just because? Or? I think, well, I think you're tighter at gameplay than I play, hmm. and you play in more GPs than I play in. Recently, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, like, I think the GP that I have the best chance of would be limited, though, is the funny part. It's not... I don't think it would be sure. modern. I, like, don't... To, well, that's because you, like, won't play for branding <laughs> purposes, take, like, fun, interesting decks that are doing something different versus good decks. And I think, like, the last GP actually... You know, when you take a deck... When you've gone to a GP and you've taken a deck that you've worked on by yourself and then you go into the GP, you've had less success Yeah. than I think when you've taken decks that we've worked on together or you worked <laughs> on with the community. Like, I think Superior Burning Coco or Kessel Run or decks like that where you've had yeah, better right. finishes with have happened because they've had more of a communal effort and testing effort behind them. As opposed to, like, my just, like, fixating on some stupid like, flame How can deck? I break Claws of Gix and... Uh, What's, what's the greater Gargadon in the same deck with Wellsprings? And I have tested this three times at Heidi Ho, and now I'm taking it to a GP. The, uh, the Which worst... I think the Moto effort you're going to be making over the next it's a good in the future is going to help. So it's a good segue, actually. So um, I have now played probably about 20 games on Moto, okay? Uh, I am learning it a little bit at a time. I've been, pl- I've been playing a couple different of my brews, but like kind of bad ones. But I have been playing and learning, and I'm within now, I would say, two weeks of launching the Twitch stream, mm-hmm. actually doing it, 
um, Ryan Sconard, who is a good friend and has now been on a couple of my uh, unified teams for these events, sure. who I see at GPs a lot, actually hung out with this weekend, um, was kind enough to be like, hey, man, you know, I can help you out with, uh, with, with any cards, you know, that you, that you need to stream with. You can borrow or we can trade, you know, what have you. Um, incredibly generous offer, which means that for now, until we have a major sponsor who just wants to give us an entire collection, uh, between your collection and his collection and the trading aspect and whatnot, I should be able to at least stream, um, yeah, and, and maybe there's an argument to take like my collection and put it back into its account so that you can kind of keep stuff separate a little bit easier, and it depends on how easy that is. This is the live on podcast realization <laughs> moment, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I don't have a PC anymore, so playing mode was a lot harder. Um, yeah, totally. So, But yes, so that is a thing. Um, I'm very excited about that. And yeah, so that's our Hall of Fame conversation. Well, you didn't give me your picks. I don't like... I mean, and, I, and or your opinions on whether content creators should a be allowed to vote for for definitely content creators should be allowed to vote. Like okay. I think that we, I mean, like in sports, like newscasters that have participated in the sport get the vote. It is a controversial point, but they do get to do it. And part of that is also like, I would bet that a legendary basketball reporter knows more about the overall effects different players have on the game than even say Michael Jordan does, though he was an owner. But like then say LeBron does. Because LeBron is on the field and playing against them, but this guy has like been paying attention to the stats of all these players and comparing them and seeing how they affect the game outside but of their participation. The flip side of that coin, and this is what happens with sports, like literally, like this is this is funny because we don't really go into sports much here. Um, but this last like two weeks ago, the football, the NFL Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. put finally put Terrell Owens into the Hall of Fame, and To has been up for like several years now as a, as a potential guy to make it. He's one of the most controversial football players of all time. Incredibly loud, incredibly ostentatious, was mm-hmm. not liked by a lot of people. Um, but when he got up there, it basically was like, "I deserve this." You know, you guys waited too long. You know, like basically was like, I feel dissed. Right. And he should because it's a bunch of sports writers who are like, he, you know, he was a locker room cancer, but it's like he's like got the second or third greatest stats in the history of football receivers. Mm-hmm. There's no way he shouldn't have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And mm-hmm. so it, that's a little bit of the problem when you put media members in is that their opinions influence these well, decisions. I think it's also percentages. I mean, like if, if sports have too many media members voting versus like I don't think right now that's kind of something that we're worrying about is that too many media people are voting. But like. Ruben Bressler is not only someone who is a person who pays attention to the Pro Tour, participates with members of the Pro Tour, is friends with a lot of these players, plays in these tournaments, grinds at these GPs, but is also a content creator. Like, I think that's a fair point. I don't think Wizards has invited people that are just like, oh, hey, like, we're not, we can't vote for Hall of Fame members, and I don't think we deserve to at this point. I don't, I don't even know if, like, even Jimmy and Josh do. And right. like, they're obviously content contributors to a, a, the next level, but their re- interaction with the pro tour is minimal. Right. And like, there's a difference between a press person who is heavily focused on pro tour play and a content contributor. That's why I also think there just needs to be a content contributor. Cause I think Jimmy and Josh arguably should be maybe part of a contributor hall of fame. I don't think they need to be on part of invited to a pro tour. Sure. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, so, that wraps us up on our Twitter conversation. I don't really have my Hall of Fame picks because I'm not really super aware of who is up for the okay, Hall of Fame. Yeah, picks, who's your favorite? Of those three or mm-hmm. four, um, I really like Jerry T a lot. Yeah. I think Jerry's a great player. I think his, his brews and his contributions have been pretty fantastic. Um, I like Chris a lot too, but Chris is much more of like that classic magic uh, ilk. 
And I think a lot of those classic guys who played a lot in the early days get a lot of credit. And it's such a different playing field now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it means that he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's been a very vocal member. But um, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, if I'm being totally real with you, the, the Hall of Fame is a subject that if I really wanted to have strong opinions on, I would feel like I would want to like do a little more research to figure out when were people inducted, why were they inducted. Mm-hmm. I, there are certain people that I like know should have been that were. Right. But as far as somebody like a Pakula where I'm like, I basically know that he's on the card meddling mage. I remember watching some of his old matches. Sure. I see him pop up on Twitter here and there, but he doesn't feel like he's part of the modern face of magic. It's very hard to compare that to somebody like Jerry, who I've been so well, interactive like, with. Like, and like, even though like the rock and roll hall of fame, people are inducted to it decades after they've stopped producing right, content right, right. that was key or, or relevant at True. that moment. Like in fact, it, it happens more often. The hall of fame doesn't necessarily have to be that. And, and Chris Pakula is still an active member of the community. Like for instance, Mike Long can't be inducted in the hall of fame. It's one of the silly things of everyone yelling Amaro because that person is no longer even eligible. He's the Pete Rose because of- he's like, Last year was the last time he could have been voted on or something along those lines. I would, I would basically say I don't feel that any of the players or I people even... I have some Michael things I need to read. <laughs> Such as? Uh, he has opinions on this. Yeah, it's just weird right now because all the Hall of Fame members get a lifetime into the Pro Tour, so it only makes sense to let people in that deserve to be playing at the Pre-T, which is weird for a Hall of Fame. Uh, I then shouted new wings, new prizes, GP appearance fears or something. Uh, then he was, the difference is that every single sports game is on camera where Magic games are primarily seen by the players on the floor and players have opinions too. Fair. I guess, I guess but that we're not saying that they don't. I think players are currently the main people that vote for who gets into the Hall of Fame and that they are the major person who gets to decide who's going into it. I don't have a strong argument for why any of the people you mentioned shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame is basically okay. my point. That's, okay. that's like – and I don't like to make statements on the subjects that I don't feel super, super uh, – educated on sure it's like not something that i like to do because i generally feel like make a strong statement you're gonna have to stick to it whatever you Uh, pick (laughs) even if they like it comes out that they're a cheater or they've like stolen a bunch of cards from a store you're gonna have to i'll make a strong statement okay chaos drafting is sweet okay we're Uh, going to that now yeah we are so uh at gpla we did a couple of things that were super super fun so uh we because of this grimoire the pack of grimoire that we're starting to do now on the show I was talking to vendors about their loose product, right? To find out who wanted to sort of be involved. Do people want to sponsor the sponsor the giveaways, what have you? And in doing so, realized that we could put together some sweet chaos drafts. Now we had a Masters of Modern meetup uh, that we did at the show, and you know about 40, 50 people showed up, and we ran a couple chaos drafts, which was super, super fun. The sets were incredible, and it really brought to mind that. If you do chaos drafts, not just with like kind of crap, like if you don't, if you like actually get some nice packs in there, it so can I, be like a really interesting experience. I don't know if I even agree with that because like the best card that was opened or the best pack that was opened even out of the entire chaos draft was a Dominaria pack because it had a foil Karn and a Mox Amber. Uh, Amber. It's crazy in the so same like, pack. It's in wild. the same pack, which was like dope. But is Mox Amber still more expensive than Teferi or is it less now? It's gone down. I have no idea. Way less. Way less? Way less. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Teferi is like one of the most played cards in Magic, and Mox, o- Mox Amber is like not. no one plays. Well, no, but just being like Mox is like even if they're not played, it's not no one plays. And, and there's a there's a paradoxical outcome uh, deck in Standard that's playing that Mox. Sick. Uh, How go, it goes off with it, it just needs zero cost artifacts. It doesn't, oh, ma- it doesn't like, actually produce any mana. I had this built, deck built in Standard. <laughs> yeah, I had the deck built in Sick. I had the deck built in Standard before stuff rotated, and I was playing with four Bone Saw and four of the like accordion shield oh, or whatever. So it just shield, needs yeah. like zero cost artifacts. That's a legendary. Isn't that, isn't that a legendary artifact? 
It's so bad. Uh, you also have uh, Ornithopter. Um, but I yeah, love, so I love that Mox Amber is worse than a quarter shield in the deck. <laughs> yes, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, no, because sometimes you have yeah, sure, uh, okay. Scythopterus, and yeah. then it actually produces mana. But um, the uh, the the Chaos Draft, it's like almost just the older the packs, the cooler it is. Like I would say, the best packs that I got to like even play with were the packs, the Weatherlight packs that we added, which are more expensive packs. But then the we like did what we talked about when we did the pack opening earlier, which is uh, uh, Homelands and, yeah, and, Fallen and Fallen Empires together as one pack. Like someone because opened both the of reason those. we do that is because if you guys don't know this, those sets were printed in 1994 and six respectively, and they have eight cards per pack. So if you want it to be an actual draft pack, you have to either do two of one or split the two of them for a cast draft. Um, Ice Age was, Ice Age packs were the other pack that was actually yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah they're yeah. really bad. All these cards are bad, but. Uh, yeah, the Ice Age packs were so bad, but so good. Oh, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you what. So, so, so let's do some. Uh, my favorite thing doing at the yeah. entire draft was when I got one of these old packs was picking the lo- most text on a card and then reading it out loud to the table. Oh my god! <laughs> the uh, yeah, some some of those old packs. I'm so I'm trying to remember the name of the card that uh, is like so sweet because it was an Ice Age card. I actually didn't get it in that Chaos draft that night. I got it the next day. I believe it's called Fire Covenant. Is that correct? So, do you know what this card does? This is such a bonkers limited card, it'll blow your mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, Fire Covenant, guys. Black, red, one, instant. Mm -hmm. Fire Covenant deals X damage divided any way you choose among any number of target creatures, where X is the amount of life you choose to pay. Effects that prevent or redirect this damage cannot be used to counter this loss of life. I'll just instant speed uh, black, red, one, pay seven, and one-sided wrath you, and then with my extra mana, second main phase, I'll play a creature. Like, so busted, insane, broken bananas, like... This is probably one of the best limited cards I've ever seen. I can't think of many cards in limited that are more powerful than this. On, on the opposite end, my favorite card that I... And this is a famous card because this is a common from Ice Age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balduvian Shaman. Oh, yeah, I remember this card. One blue, summon cleric. Tap, permanently change the text of target white enchantment you control that does not have cumulative upkeep by rela- replacing all instances <laughs> of one color word with another. For example, you may change counters black spells to counters blue spells on an enchantment. Uh, Balduvian Shaman cannot change mana symbols. That enchantment now has a cumulative upkeep of one uh michael just mentioned the card dreams of the dead do you remember what this card does uh, i'm gonna look it up yeah you look it up uh my my best card in my draft deck that night was i believe called felonite hermit or felonite druid i can't remember which one it's called but it's a uh, green two from fallen empires for a one one that for green and one i can tap it to sacrifice a creature and turn all of my forests into two three creatures I like won several games with this card. It was, it was like it was actually the best card in my entire deck. I was kind of blown away by it. Uh, Dreams of the Dead take target uh, one in a blue colon. So you can do this as many times as you want, as long as you have a colorless and a blue. Take target white or black creature from your graveyard and put it directly into play as though it were just summoned. That creature now requires an additional accumulative upkeep of two. If that creature leaves play, remove it from the game. That seems like just a great card. Is it an enchantment? It is an enchantment. For how much? Four. So for four mana, you can like reanimate one of black creatures. It has a cumulative upkeep too. So like, but like, I feel like you just like pay it. That's once a better card than and then... Seance, and I've seen people play Seance. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, so oh, it so, is it's instant speed, which is even better than Seance. Yeah, well, yeah block. I said it was better than Seance. Just two mana block yeah, into it. Um, yeah, so there was like some really fun packs. Uh, it was kind of an interesting experience because we made sure that these pods that we put people in had real packs. So like, uh, for oh, instance, Michael was making the point that it was unreasonable and limited. <laughs> That was the point he was making. Yeah. Not that it was like a wordy card that made no, no sense. No, no, it's like really good. Yeah, yeah. It's also wordy. 
It is horny. <laughs> so like the so the pods were like we had like Modern Masters 13, 15, and 17. Mm-hmm. We had Iconic Masters, Masters 25. We had a bunch of M sets. So we had... Yeah, it was like five or six. There was like, like five or six core every, sets. Oh, not every core set since M10 because there was an M10, but it was like M12, M14, M15, 13, M13, 15, and M... Origins pack in one of them yeah. maybe. Um, we had all that. There was like some, you know, all the newer packs, like everything, every, the last like seven or eight sets were in there. Mm-hmm. Then we also had like a Lauren pack, a Guild pack packed, uh, Weatherlight, Ice Age. Right. Uh, there was like some other really, really cool ones. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure we had Innistrad, Avacyn Restored. Guild Pack was there. Uh, like th- there's a lot of really fun stuff. I, I, I do think, so, you know, we were talking about this before. Something that we might start doing is doing monthly uh, uh, versions of this in our local area and then kind of posting our pack list and start designing kind of formats around themes. Because I think the one issue I've always had with Chaos Draft, it's not a real issue, is that just like, gold packs are terrible and then there are some sets that are just like unplayable like battle for zendikar is an actively bad setting we opened conflux i think in one of the in one of the chaos packs yeah because processors and are unplayable in the format as our allies as our like some of the allies are better out of yeah. bfc than necessarily they were in zendikar i but played like the two mana green guy that just or that's like a one one that like just becomes a two two he's just like a grizzly bear sure. <laughs> and fine. so like you know figuring out ways to kind of build stuff around it like doing a graveyards matters chaos draft where you play with yeah right like homelands which is a graveyard set but and you like also odyssey can play with odyssey and, like, and yeah, you yeah. have innistrad, innistrad and, and both innistrads and and you even can play probably with some rabbits because you have golgari and other things have graveyard themes or you i think, play with no there, there's block. like a way to design yeah. it that i think is really cool you can find the interactions between for instance processors and suspend cards and like where you can like yeah you know cool. and like that's interesting and i think i think that there's like a really fun way because it, some packs are crazy expensive right but so like you know we're probably not going to put you know future site into anything but like it's not that crazy. Like you can get a lot of really sweet packs for twenty dollars or less. Sure. And especially if we have like store support, where we're going to talk about it on the show and like try to sort of make it a communal content creation experience. It's definitely a fun thing that we're interested in doing. So chaos drafting is, I think it's somewhere between. I guess chaos drafting is just random packs, and what we're talking about are specific, uniquely created draft formats. Sure. Well, which, you did this once before too, didn't you? Yeah. Where you did like a, a few years ago draft format at Heidi Ho. Yeah, that was yeah. Like, it's years ago. One of, yeah, it was before the podcast. It was like two years before the podcast. Um, and I had like three, it was like a draft marathon. It was like three different drafts that day. And like, they were all kind of themed like this. Yeah. And they were cool, but like, it was really hard to get the community members to buy in. So I had to kind of cost balance it so there could be prizes. Sure. Um, the trick to this is you, you cost balances so there are no prizes mm-hmm. because then you can actually just get the value of the packs. Mm-hmm. And if it's for like 30 bucks, you can get like a really sweet draft. I think, I think you could do one prize, which is just like the winner gets a dope pack. Like I think that's on theme. That's what or I like did. A mat or something. That's what I did on uh, on on Sunday. I organized another one of these with like eight people, and the winner got a single pack of uh, Modern Masters one. Mm-hmm. But I won it, so I just sure. had to buy myself a pack. And I mean, so like, and the reason that we even got into this is because we just started buying a bunch of packs for the uh, the pack openings that we're now doing uh, once a week, and we'll do it before the live stream. And we, you know, we did it for the people on the live stream, but for people that are, are on the episode, the way it works is. Um, we get two packs at random from this giant selection of cool packs that we have now. And Ben and I will each open one. And one of those packs, the winner of that gets to give it to either the Patreon or the live chat. And so, it's sponsored by Wizardry Foundry. So actually every couple of weeks, we're going to be shipping out a grimoire loaded with the winnings of the packs. These grimoires, these awesome boxes. Uh, they, they look like leather bound books. They're like, yeah, they're like carrying cases for your cards. They're super cool. Um, and so that's like what we store all the packs in. So yeah, it's a thing we did. If you actually, go to the youtube channel you can see the pack openings we're going to be posting those every single week and the best way to be involved there is if 
you're in the live chat here, which there's a handful of you guys in here, uh, it'll be the live chat versus the Patreon. If you're a member right. of both, if Patreon and the live chat, then you'll be entered in both drawings to win uh, the, the openings from the packs. We're giving everything we open away. So yeah. And so beyond that, you know, obviously getting onto the Patreon is really helpful. It supports us, makes this podcast happen. We are able to make more in future content. That's what we're able to try start kind of expanding all of the content creation we're expanding right now. Uh, also, we have a Kickstarter going on for our first game uh, that we're releasing on Kickstarter. It's called Battle Bosses. You can see the box right here. Ben ducks his head down. Right there. Uh, it is a competitive game. We're currently at 25% within the first week, which is kind of on target for us. And it's our first game, so we're just trying to grow the community. Really appreciate it if you guys can go check it out. Uh, it's $30 again at the first tier level, and then $120 if you want to get everything in the game. Uh, it's a blast. We've tested it. Every boss kind of plays on its own, and it's the same thing. Uh, designed by me and Michael and the people at Kess. Um, and we'll start releasing, releasing video content soon about that as well. Um, and make sure to like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, like us on Twitter. We're all the MMCast everywhere. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, check out the Command Zone. Check out Wizardry Foundry. There's a link in the description of this and the episode to kind of find all of these things. Um, and, and we'll see you guys on Thursday when this video is released on YouTube with good audio and everything. Or we'll see you guys on the podcast. Or we'll see you guys every Tuesday when we live stream it on YouTube as well. Run on sentences. We love you guys. See ya. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.